Mark your calendars! The ADCES 24 Annual Conference parades into New Orleans August 9-12, through 12, 2024. Registration opens March 26, but you can start planning your trip now. Get ready to seize opportunities to connect, learn, and optimize your diabetes care and education practice. Stay tuned for updates at ADCES24.org. Hello and welcome to the ADCES's podcast, The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. In each episode, we speak with guests across the diabetes care space to bring you perspectives, issues, and updates that elevate your role, inform your practice, and ignite your passion. I'm your host, Jody Lavin Tompkins, a board-certified nurse in advanced diabetes management and the Director of Accreditation and Content Development at the Association of Diabetes Care and Education Specialists. My guest today is Cheryl Traficano, the Chief Executive Officer of the Certification Board for Diabetes Care and Education Specialists. She's here to answer some common questions about eligibility and requirements for the Certified Diabetes Care and Education Specialist credential, plus information on available scholarships. If you haven't already done so, I suggest you listen to episode 52, titled How to Become a Certified Diabetes Care and Education Specialist, to get a more complete picture of how to qualify and apply for the credential. There's also a great website that has tons of information to help you, so go to www.cbdce.org and you'll find a lot of helpful and useful information there. The COVID-19 pandemic prompted some adaptations to the requirements, so we're happy to have Cheryl here to give us the most accurate and up-to-date information. Cheryl, welcome to the huddle. Thanks, Jody. I'm so glad to be here today talking with you. Um, having been a member of the CBDCE staff since May of 2000, it's great to share uh, current information about our program with you today. Yes, and I'm sure our listeners appreciate that. So my first question is, for those people who are looking to get certified, a common question I hear is related to experience and practice hours. So can you please explain for our audience what counts as practice hours and how you can accrue and track them and over what period of time? Absolutely. So that's, of course, probably our most common question of all. Um, As far as what counts as hours... It's when you're working directly with people with diabetes, providing any aspect of diabetes self-management education and support. And that even includes documentation of the education experience and the person's record. CBDC has adapted the components of the National Standard for Diabetes Self-Management Education and Support for our specific definition related to experience. So people will want to refer directly with our current examination handbook for even more details. This experience can be group or individual education. And for groups, they'll say it's only one hour of education to a group of maybe six individuals. The time that you do your prep work for that class, as well as if you work with any of those six people afterwards to set goals, for example, all that time can be counted. And if you do phone follow-ups, whether it's related to a class or just in general about diabetes education, that time can be counted. Um, telehealth in that same format can be counted. 
Time doing prevention can also be counted, but it's just important to remember that the current examination content outline, which is based on what diabetes care and education specialists did back in 2018, did not include a lot of prevention. So just be sure to study and prepare yourself with that in mind if your experience is mainly in the area of prevention. As far as tracking your hours, for initial certification, we don't have a required form or log that has to be used or submitted for any of the diabetes care and education practice hours. The thing that's important is that you talk with your supervisor um, as far as how you are tracking things, because that is the person who's going to have to verify your practice hours if you get chosen for audit. That audit process is just random, but if you do get chosen for audit, you're going to verify all of your experience, which includes that practice. And so we recommend that you and your supervisor review the definition that we have of diabetes care and education uh, for initial certification, and then come up with a plan about how best to track those hours. It could be a spreadsheet. It could be a record review over the past two weeks, and then you go forward using those same numbers. Whatever the two of you agree on as far as that goes is how you want to take care of tracking. And then as far as accruing that experience, um, right now it's over a five-year period if that's needed. We're going to talk a little bit about the pandemic adjustments in a bit, but that's a little bit longer than it has been in the past. Okay. Well, there are a lot more things that count towards the time than I realized. So thank you for that overview. And now I'd like to stay with the theme of eligibility. A common question is, do nurses need to have a bachelor's degree and must their practice hours be full-time as diabetes care and education specialists? Very topical questions, Jody. So <laughs> as far as the degree requirement for nurses, we do not require that RNs have a bachelor degree. As long as they hold a license as an RN, that's all that's needed as far as meeting that discipline requirement. And as far as when we talk about um, full-time or part-time uh, for positions, and this applies not just to nurses, but any of our people who are working to become qualified, is it does not have to be full-time. Um, the maximum people can claim in any one week is 40 hours, so you want to make sure that you know, when you're tracking that you're not tracking more than that. But otherwise, you want to just make sure you're only counting time where you're performing that diabetes uh, care and education. So things like teaching other health professionals or completing admin duties, uh, conducting a community health fair, those kinds of things would not count as far as hours. But you definitely don't have to be full-time, and especially when you look at that five-year period, people definitely can be working less than full-time in that role and be able to move forward with certification. Okay, and you mentioned that there were some adjustments made due to the COVID-19 pandemic regarding eligibility criteria. And I'm wondering, are those still in place? And what were those adjustments that were made? Absolutely. Let me go over those. So yes, those are still in place. And actually, we actually extended them even longer than we had originally planned to have them in place. So as far as the practice hours for those under the standard pathway, which is most individuals, you need that minimum of 1,000 hours of diabetes care and education over that max of five years. It had been four years in the past. But that five-year window will be good actually all the way up through people applying in the year 2026 because we just want to make sure with a five-year window, all of that, we know how there was such an impact of the ability to provide diabetes care and education uh, during the pandemic in the last few years. So um, so that's as far as the 1,000 hours. And then at least 200 of those 1,000 hours have to be in the 12 months prior to applying. Now, it used to be 400 or it typically is 400. 
So we cut that in half, and that's good through 2024. So it'll go back up to 400 of the 1,000 in 2025. And then as far as the practice hours, if people make use of the unique qualifications pathway, which is the pathway we have for folks who might not meet any of our current standard disciplines or registrations, but they hold an advanced degree in a health-related field. If people are pursuing that pathway, then they want to get a minimum of 2,000 hours of experience accrued over the five-year period. And again, that's good through the year 2026. And then 200 of the 2,000 hours must be within the 12 months prior to applying. And that's good through 2024. Goes back up to, again, the 400 in 2025. So speaking of the pandemic, is there an option to do live remote proctoring for this exam and not have to take it in person? Yes, absolutely. We launched that in uh, 2020. Um, and so basically this allows folks, you know, you can still do either or. So you can go in person to a test center or you can choose live remote proctoring. So you can basically take it at any computer where you can work with the security protocols that are available. And you can test that. Um, you can So you could be a personal computer from home or work computer. Uh, you just want to make sure you do test it because there are security protocols and sometimes at work, especially in a healthcare system, you know, you might not be able to work with a work computer for that protocol. Um, but that gives you lots of flexibility. You know, in person is, you know, you can do the morning or the afternoon. With live remote proctoring, you can pretty much schedule around the clock. And it's been quite successful. We have about 20% of our candidates who make use of that option during any one month. Um, and with very few issues, I have to say, as long as they do the prep work beforehand and just make sure that the computer can, you know, make use of that security protocol. Well, Cheryl, this credential really showcases the diabetes care and education specialist, and we always need more of them. So if someone is challenged by the cost of the exam, is there any financial support they could apply for? Absolutely. So back in 2021, we launched a scholarship program. And we set it up to support many different aspects of diversity uh, as far as our CDCS pool is concerned. And so it includes young professionals, professional discipline expansion, and other demographics, um, as well as those who actually work with underserved or under-resourced populations, or for those who might be veterans or in the military service or serve those populations. And so the people who are awarded those scholarships are able to take our practice exam and then also apply for the examination at no cost. And so that represents a total value of you know just over $400. Uh, the program, and right now it will be annual, the program accepts applications mid-March to May 15th. Um, and so again, we will open that back up for 2023. And though we had originally planned when we first launched on just providing 20 scholarships per year, we actually ended up awarding over 80 in our first year of 2021, and then we awarded 50 in 2022. And so we're uh, hoping to award up to 50 scholarships again um, in 2023. So we're very excited to be able to offer that to folks to really support, you know, the costs related to that and also just helping to support the diversity in our pool of certificates. That sounds like a wonderful program. So thank you for going over that and for supporting everyone who's trying to obtain this credential. I also want to thank you, Cheryl, for taking the time to join us for this episode of The Huddle and for sharing information on this certification that is widely recognized by the community and helps our specialty maintain a high level of recognition and respect for their knowledge and skills. Jody, it was great to spend time today talking with you about our program, and we really appreciate the support of ADCS 
for both our individuals who are becoming certified and those who are currently certified. Well, thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Huddle. To access the notes and resources from today's episode, head over to diabeteseducator.org forward slash podcast. And remember, ADCES membership gets you free access to resources, education, and networking that improve your practice and optimize outcomes for your clients. Learn more about what ADCES can do for you at diabeteseducator.org forward slash join.